0: Oh my goodness, she said, nobody cares what our last name is, and you're all just meeting us where we are. And you see, she was made to feel a part of this group. Hi, I'm
1: Bobby, a certified caregiving consultant and educator. I work one-on-one with caregivers to help them find solutions that work best for them to some of the often confusing, sometimes frustrating behaviors that come with a dementia diagnosis.
2: And I'm her husband, Mike, and I'm a certified caregiver advocate and a certified music therapist. And I speak frequently on the value of music therapy with uh, dementia patients.
1: And this is Roger That, the podcast dedicated to guiding you through the haze of dementia.
2: Our goal is to focus on the caregiver, offer practical insights, and share some emotional support. And maybe, just maybe, we'll share a laugh or two, because we all know laughter's the best medicine.
1: And don't forget the wine, Mike.
2: Yeah, too much wine will make you kind of giggly, and therefore, <laughs> the best medicine, right?
1: Absolutely.
2: <laughs> you know, one thing we found out when we were caring for my father, and, and more importantly you, um, that it's very, very stressful and very energy-consuming. And one of the things that was very beneficial to you was after a good bit of time, we were able to get respite care.
1: Absolutely. Um, And there came a time when I was so desperate for a bit of relief that I I actually uh, issued a challenge to the people at the VA hospital where Roger received most of his care. He was considered a 100% disabled American veteran, and part of his his benefits was respite care when needed. And I had been asking for it month after month because we were well into the caregiving years, and I wasn't sleeping. The stress was enormous. Uh, I wasn't sure how I could function. And they kept telling me that there were no beds, that they weren't doing respite care, And, and... no, it was impossible. And um, finally, I got frustrated, and I reached out to a nurse that was assigned to his case, and I said, here's the deal. If they don't find a bed, if we can't get this done, I'm going to have to reach out to his congressperson and let that person know that uh, that a veteran is being denied their their benefits. And if that doesn't work, I'm going to have to bring him in and put him in the nursing home, because without relief, I can't do this anymore. It's dangerous for him, and it's dangerous for me. Two days later, he had a bed. You shouldn't have to go through the, you shouldn't have to jump through those hoops in order to get relief when you're spending 24 hours a day, seven days a week, for months and years caring for somebody who desperately needs that help. And that brings us to today's guest who worked 15 years as an executive director in senior living administration and then stepped into the nonprofit world of the faith community. She was asked to develop a volunteer model to provide support for families with living with dementia in Montgomery, Alabama in 2012. She has become an advocate for those families living with memory loss Her personal mission is to help families, clergy, and professionals better understand that trained volunteers are the immediate answer for combating the isolation of Alzheimer's disease. We are very pleased to welcome Ms. Daphne Johnston. Daphne, thank you so much for being with us, and we were so interested in what you have to share with us and with our listeners today. Thank you so much for having me. So. Tell us and our listeners about the work that you do.
0: Well, as you mentioned in my bio, um, I was in long-term care for 15 years um, before uh, I got married and had children, and I just I couldn't keep up a 24-7 administration um, schedule. And memory care, assisted living, independent living, all of those were in my background. I was asked by our senior pastor in Montgomery, uh, Alabama, here at First United Methodist Church, Um, to research doing a a dementia program, a dementia ministry for the community. Uh, They had done a long-term survey of the church, what are the needs in the community, and dementia uh, support groups, respite programs that continuously came back. Uh, There was a church here in town uh, that was offering respite for three hours, one day a week, and they were doing the best they could. Um, but as I visited, they they were playing bingo for three hours, and it just kind of broke my heart. Um, however, I, I learned that there there is something called a category of congregational care respite. Um, and, and I found three churches across the southeast that were doing this sort of service. And by that, I mean they were uh, using volunteers from their church, from their community, um, to go four hours a day from 10 o'clock to 2 o'clock. And I visited all of those and, and kind of took what I saw and, and made our own program. I love to share uh, the story that we we saw these active programs, and, and they were so good. They were so vibrant because they didn't have uh, – a large paid staff. You know, it was one director and this army of volunteers. Well, we began our program, and we started two days a week in the basement of the church. Uh, and I love to share the story that I marketed for three months to get this program up and going, and I had two participants to start with. And from two participants, we've grown to thousands now uh, that we've helped serve and, and help find respite but a little bit about what our program does through the week. My program started two days a week, we went to three days a week, and now we're at four days a week, Uh, from 10 o'clock to two o'clock. We pack that with art and music and uh, hand-eye coordination, ball games, competition. The best piece we've added over the past couple of years has been service projects, because I knew we didn't want to pack our day with empty activities. I wanted these guys to still have purpose in their community, right? So service projects. Um, but most importantly, it's, it's relationships. It's all about relationships. You know, when you get a diagnosis of Alzheimer's and dementia, as many of you know, uh, the isolation begins. And where do you go to find new friends? How How incredibly depressing would it be if you knew you were going to wake up one day and never make a new friend again? So our program really tries to focus on that.
1: I'm interested in the service projects because we have talked a number of times with various guests about the need for someone with a dementia to feel like they're still contributing. Correct. To feel that they're still valuable. Correct. So what kind of service projects are you, de- are you working with?
0: Well... Last week, we actually packed about 100 uh, snack bags for our cancer center. Uh, One of our programs has done young mother diaper bags from one of the other nonprofits here in town, uh, Save a Life. One time, we packed about 250 flood kits um, for, I think it was uh, a hurricane that had happened on our coast. We are trying to find different ways that our people can still enter in, and the key is that our trained volunteers in our program, their goal is to create space, not to take over the project, not to be the most efficient, but how do they create space and create language where our friends living with dementia can can do this project themselves? And yes, it might take a little bit longer, but we want them to have every opportunity uh, To be a part of their community so our favorite thing that we do about three or four times a year we have a local meals on wheels program here in town uh, and we we found out they were giving their food this is a low-income program uh, they were giving their food to their pets um, at the holidays because they wanted their pets you know obviously we all love them Uh, they asked us if we would do a dog food and cat food drive well we did and so now across our 25 programs we pack about two to 300 pint-sized bags of dog food and cat food uh, for the Meals on Wheels programs, and that's, that's spread throughout our network. We are always collaborating and sharing these service project ideas so people don't have to reinvent the wheel. But it's a key component of our ministry.
1: I, You know, I, I have a caregiver support group, and um, as part of that, the local uh, day center offered um, the opportunity for someone to bring the person that needed care to the day center when they were (laughs) attending the support group. And I think what a wonderful thing that would be to introduce a service project like this, um, and also, you know, go into the local churches and talk to them about this. Because a lot of times in the day centers, it's, you know, doing paintings or, you know, art projects, which are great, or music projects, which are great. But this, instead of saying, you know, you're going to the day day center and they say, well, I don't want to do that. There's a bunch of old people there. You say, you're going to this place and this is how you're going to be helping other people. Correct. It's like they have a job. Correct. I think, oh, this is, you know, this light bulb was going on and seeing, oh, wow, reach out here, reach out here. How great that is.
0: Well, one of the things we learned at the very beginning, we've worked very closely with UAB Neurology. And Dr. Gelmacher is the um, over the memory center there. And we worked together at the beginning for his his office, you know, this is the biggest in the state of Alabama, to say, look, yes, you've got dementia. Yes, you've got a diagnosis of Alzheimer's. But that doesn't mean that you can quit. You've got to get out there and you've got to volunteer. And you've got to make a difference in your community. So the difference in our ministry, and say a day program that's got paid staff, I'm not knocking them by any means. We need them. But the difference is in our training uh, when we talk to our local neurologists, our doctors, they're saying, Bill, you got to get out of bed, and you've got to go put yourself in a challenging situation. You've got to go meet new people, and you're going to be helping these retired veterans. You're going to be helping people with no family. And so in our ministry, our name tags are all the same. There's no green smocks that signify a volunteer, quote-unquote, or you know, a different color name tag everybody's got purpose so yes we've got the service projects but yes all through the day all through the four hours we're made we're making our friends with dementia feel how they're changing our lives you know we um one of the best stories I've got I had a lady that was driving with dementia she probably should not have been driving she spent the day with us she came in and at the end of the day end of the day everybody's there there's about 30 of us in the room and you hear wow She slapped the table and she said, damn, this is just better than AA. (laughs) We said, what are you talking about? And she said, oh, my goodness. She said, nobody cares what our last name is. And you're all just meeting us where we are. And you see, she was made to feel a part of this group. She didn't, you know, all of our name tags just have our first names. And so we've got purpose all through the day. Not just our service projects, but how how was she transforming our lives? So uh, we feel like we've got a pretty good uh, pretty good hold on it.
2: So your program is um, respite during the day. Correct. As opposed to
0: respite overnight, we do not offer that. This is strictly a volunteer service.
1: Yes, and but this is so important because the caregiver needs to have a chance to take a shower or take a nap or go and get their hair done or whatever needs to be done to take care of everything throughout the day.
0: That's right. So when we created a f- that four-hour window, and new volunteers could do it. If they still had to carpool and pick up grandkids at 3 o'clock, they can do it. If they need to run a class, run to groceries in the morning, they can do it. But from 10 o'clock to 2 o'clock, what a wonderful window. Uh, for a caregiver to leave their loved one with us, know they can get things done. But one of the signature stories that we have, we've got a guy named Jack and Mary. And Jack, he had Parkinson's and Alzheimer's, and he could not communicate at all, right? So I didn't know if we were going to be able to keep him in a volunteer setting. But his wife stayed with him, the caregiver. She wouldn't let him go. She you know, had so much guilt. She didn't know if we could do it. Well, guys, by... The end of three weeks, uh, one of our volunteers, she said, Mary, you've got to go. You've got to go. We've got this. And so many of you have seen the strung out caregiver that is so stressed out that just fretted. She went and she loved on Jack and she said, oh, Jack, I love you and I'm not deserting you. I'm not deserting you. I'll be back at two o'clock. I love you so much. I'm going to be back at two And y'all, that big old fella, he was about six, four. He turned around. All of us are staring, tears coming out of our eyes. And this big old fella says, goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody just cracked up. We had not heard him speak in three weeks. And you see, I think that our caregiver efforts are so valuable. We know the caregiver needs a break. But in that very moment we recognize that Jack needed a break from Mary, mm-hmm. right?
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. We've never been
0: together 24-7 in our lives. And so our ministry really holistically looks at serving the person with dementia, giving him a break, looking at that tired caregiver because she was so strung out. Just four hours. You know, we can all do everything if we can just have just a small break, 2 o'clock that afternoon, she came back and I said, oh, Mary, did you go to lunch? Did you go shopping? What did you do? She just embraced me and she just hugged me and she said, oh, child, I went home. I took off my clothes, I put on my robe with a cup of coffee, and I just cried. That was the first time I had been in my house by myself in three years. Mm -hmm. I treasured being alone with my thoughts And it was just such an eye-opener for me to see just a small window of four hours. So no, we're not overnight, but I tell you what, we pack it with love and pack it with time and and just a space from one another. Tell me
1: something about the training.
0: Let me just start with, we, we had our ministry and we started with two people and 14 volunteers and it grew and it grew and it grew. We were we we bought a piece of land thinking that we were going to build a huge center but what we realized was we wanted to expand the thought of the faith-based volunteer model and so we began to share our our budgets and our brochures and how do we how do we make this happen and now we've got 27 volunteer programs across the country in seven different states so we have developed a 4-hour training for the volunteer, and it's not brain science. Sometimes I think we make things too hard for common people that want to help. How do we pack it full of uh, language and dementia communication? How do we teach that volunteer, you know, that somebody living with dementia, it might take them an extra 30 seconds to comprehend what we're saying. We're going with day-to-day things like that to train our volunteers, and how, how do we build them up with purpose through the day? Then... We won a $50,000 grant two years ago, and then we won a $75,000 grant to develop uh, how to build a respite for all community uh, in your town or your city. So now we have a six-module video training for somebody in Kansas, New York, Canada, um Virginia. They can purchase this training for $650, Virginia. We've got <laughs> Kathy Berry. I don't know if you guys have met her, but working, trying to get one in Virginia. But I wanted people to be able to see that this is a social model of care. We've got, you know, people with big hearts. If they just know the vision and how easy it can be to put these volunteer programs together. So we've got the video training to start a program. But the day-to-day program is is just four hours of um, common sense, dementia communication, role play, teaching these volunteers what to expect.
2: Now you said it's six hundred and fifty dollars for the training. Is that Correct. a group training, training or is that yes. per person?
0: You know, if if one church if one church uh, were to buy the training, that is for. That whole community.
2: That's that's amazing. Um, Thank it's you. definitely something to think about um, here at the local level uh,
0: yeah, to
2: yeah. maybe think about working something in that respect.
0: You know, we um, I've got two bishops on board. We're in the Methodist Church, but we've got five in the Episcopal. I've got the Jewish services in Birmingham working on our First Baptist Church, working with. Um, a university right now in Tennessee to partner with a local church. Just had a webinar last week with a hospital to partner with the local church in Cedar Rapids, talking to Wisconsin this afternoon. Churches can become community assets. It's my job to get those clergy to see, man, we could be the resource for this whole city. It's really easy once you see how to do it.
1: Well, I tell you what, Daphne, you have definitely got a uh, Our brain's thinking, (laughs) you know, how we can support this, how we can put this information out, Um, and what you're doing for people living with dementia. And I love that you talk about people living with dementia, and I love that you talk about how important it is for them to feel engaged and important in, you know, telling them, you know, get up out of the chair, get out of that bed. right, right. This is all so extremely valuable. And, you know, we always learn when we talk to our guests. I know my head is spinning (laughs) with everything I just learned from you today.
0: One of the things I love to point out, I was at a conference a couple of years ago where uh, somebody said, can you imagine waking up one morning and never hearing the words, thank you, Mm -hmm. ever again? And I feel like our friends with dementia and Alzheimer's and all sorts of um, memory challenges, it's really hard for them to do that. So our training, again, is not brain science. Our training is how do we build them up?
2: I I have a question. So there's various levels of cognitive decline Correct. slash cognitive ability. Does this program work across the spectrum? It works across the it?
0: spectrum. It's across the spectrum. They are trained in our role play stuff that we do, um, We've got people that can't communicate, but when they're in a small group and we've got volunteers that are carrying the conversation, we've got a few characters, a few smart alecks, some good dirty jokes, everybody can be part of that. It doesn't matter if you can verbally talk. They are with us. And so this really creates a space for them to participate. So, yes, we've got a wide spectrum. We just don't pass medicine.
2: Hmm. Now, um, I'm thinking of, say, my church. And we have a uh, youth group. Do you involve different ministries like the youth group?
0: We do. In the summertime through the year, but we've got small children all through the the day. We've got daycares that come through. But yes, we have intergenerational through the summer for sure. What's so neat is we teach these host churches. Yes, we want to host it there. And a lot of times you have youth group space that's not being used during the week so we teach these churches, look, this is space that's already paid for, heated, cooled. Um, you've got the space. Nobody's in it. So, you know, let us have a go at it. Once we get in there, we train these host churches that we want them to be a community asset in the sense that we want to invite other churches, other faith-based organizations to be part of the volunteer core.
2: Hmm. Well, you've certainly given some food for thought. And I was hungry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we also offer an annual uh, Respite for All conference. In in my background, I know training is so important. So when you churches get up and going, you're not just on your own. Uh, We've got a conference every February where we pack it with marketing skills to stay sustainable, pack it with spiritual uh, speakers, dementia education I want those lead volunteers and those directors to have all the resources they can uh, to fire up their community.
1: <laughs> all right.
2: There you go. Well, Daphne, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're busy. And uh, thank you for taking the time to talk to us and our listeners. I Great. know I got a lot out of it, but I usually do because I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. So, <laughs> uh <laughs> I, I like getting, getting my skills sharpened a little bit, and uh, you've been an absolute joy, and
1: I can't thank you enough.
0: Thank you guys. I appreciate what you do. Absolutely.
1: I really sat up and paid attention when she started talking about the service projects, which I think is so important uh, for people living with a dementia to feel to feel that they're contributing and useful, and we need to get so many of them out from in front of the TV all day long. Um, so that's a huge benefit in itself.
2: Yeah, I remember my dad he used to say all the time, I can't loaf all the time. I can't loaf all the time. Um, so, yeah, this would have been something that might have been interesting for him uh, once upon a time.
1: Absolutely. You can find more information about Daphne and links to the Respite for All website on our show website at rogerthat.show. This has been Roger That. I'm Bobby. And I'm Mike. And we are dedicated to guiding you through the haze of dementia.
2: Bobby and I would love to hear from you, answer any questions you might have, or just find out how you're doing. Please connect with us on our Roger That Facebook and Twitter. To find out more about us, head over to rogerthat.show. That's Roger, R O D G E R, that.show.
1: Roger That is produced by Missing Link a media podcast company dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast raising the bar on craft cocktails. Here you meet interesting folks, enjoy boozy banter, and learn how to make craft cocktails from a master.
2: And if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights, from dramas to comedies and all those in between.
1: Find Missing Link's League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe, download, and review the shows as your review helps our show reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company.